0: Hello and welcome to time Lock, in which guests choose the records they would place in a time capsule to represent their lives. On this episode, I'm stoked to talk with Low 5. Otherwise known as Neil Grant, he's released a series of critically acclaimed albums, EPs and singles, alongside running the Emotion Wave label. Under the same motion wave banner, Neil has brought together a stellar lineup of musicians and like minded souls, which pre COVID saw a series of superb live events across the northwest of England. Most recently, he's returned to one of his alternative guises, Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral. A cross between reality and make believe, it's a fascinating audio and soon to be visual experience. I'm AMC, and I'm your host for the next hour during which Neil talks about the lost art of writing strong melodies, the comfort of a good protest song, and that revisiting an old fart rocker ended up being one of his favourite tunes. This version of the podcast does not contain the music Neil chose. Head over to the gated SoundCloud page to hear the full music and conversation experience. Thanks, Neil, for joining us on TimeLock. It's fantastic to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. We've got some really interesting, diverse selections to talk about. A couple of my favorites in there. And then I've definitely got a few questions about some of these other ones. It's (laughs) going to be super, super great. Before we get into that, though, probably worth just you talking a bit about introducing yourself to to obviously the audience, who you are and what you've been doing. I've got a couple of questions about some of your releases as well. Yeah, maybe you can just give us a kind of overview of what you've been doing.
1: Um, I make music as Low 5 um, I'm based in the northwest, I'm currently living in the Wirral, near Liverpool, and um, I've got another sort of side project on the go at the minute called um, Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral. I, I run a, a kind of kind of like a micro-label type thing and a, and a night in Liverpool called Emotion Wave, um, and that's mainly basically just like a showcase night for emerging electronic artists, basically. Um that's kind of been put on hold for the time being, for obvious re- reasons. Um, so what I've kind of been doing at the minute is really just concentrating on just, I don't know, just kind of like working away in my little, little teeny box room studio, just coming up with different sounds and just just trying to do something new that I haven't done before basically. Um, and I think that's where my latest Her Majesty's Coroner for World release came from.
0: So I'm going to get straight into that because I'm glad you picked <laughs> it up. So for the listeners listening in, I was fortunate enough to have Dalan, okay, John Michalades, for the other show that I do uh, called New Seat. And we spent, I think, about 20 minutes and more probably talking about Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral and your latest release there. And it, the, the ultimate question was, is, is it real? Uh, <laughs> So if you have not heard it and you've not read about it, you're probably thinking, what on earth are we talking about? So maybe I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Neil, kind of describe what it is, and then we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. It kind of, it, it was kind of like a curveball for me as well, to be honest, because, you know, usually I'm kind of making this ambient, melodic, electronic stuff. Um, but then I think it was like, it was during a time when I was taking my daughter Uh, to the uh, swimming baths a lot, I I had this nightmare and it was like one of those really vivid kind of, you know, wake you up, sat bolt upright kind of nightmares. And it was kind of like based in a municipal swimming baths. And um, there was this like kind of like mangled Kylie track playing (laughs) in it. Um, So that actually became like the starting point for Her Majesty's Coroner for Wirral, really, because I kind of like, I dreamt up this whole, without even like, you know, going near any a studio or anything like that. I just kind of dreamt up this whole scenario of somebody dying in tragic circum unexplained circumstances in a municipal <laughs> swimming pool. Um, and kind of, you know, imagining like this, Her Majesty's coroner for all being like this sort of way of exploring that narrative and exploring the sounds. So it's quite, like, bizarre sort of psychological horror concept type stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I just basically for that one, I mean, I brought that one out last year just as, like, a little, you know, sad thing, and people really kind of responded to it. Um, and I, th- I think it's because, like, you know, it, 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 I wasn't trying to do, like, music so much. It's more kind of like... Um, I don't know, like kind of like a collage, like music concrete or something like that. Because um, there's certain things that people can kind of like relate to. And I think like something like a, a swimming pool is like a really unique space because it's just like a big tiled reverb room full of screaming children. Mm. So that in itself is kind of like quite an evocative thing. So, you know, taking something like that and like recontextualizing it. Um, and, you know, just to see what comes out of it. And it got some really interesting results. So, you know, I, I thought that was it. You know, I wasn't kind of, I didn't have any plans or anything else with this uh, coroner moniker. But then um, I think it was like towards the start of lockdown and um I wasn't really sleeping that well. So I ended up quite, like quite late at night, just like on the, going down these weird YouTube rabbit holes and um, for some reason, I just ended up like watching all of these like bizarre charlatan, new age healer type videos, and um, they're really bizarre because like the although they're kind of like quite relaxing to watch, and, and the you know the, the, there's people that I go to see these people with genuine ailments, and they're obviously looking for some sort of relief, and mm. they're getting all of this like personal attention from someone who claims to be able to to help them but you know the stuff that they're doing they're like, like these bizarre kind of like rituals kind of stood around them it just kind of kind of doesn't sit well with me really because mm. they these people are either to put it like you know politely they're kind of a bit deluded about what they can actually do or you know if they're worse than that you know the sociopaths that are just after the money of people are desperate to feel mm. better kind of thing yeah so yeah, I, I just sent a couple of them to me mates. So I was like, i oh, check these out. What, what do you think of these? And he was like, God, this guy's really creepy. And I was like, yeah, it, it is really creepy. And I was thinking, well, why is that so uneasy to watch? And that kind of became the starting point of, you know, the, the latest release, which is called um, Esoteric Healing, Friend or Foe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this whole kind of like coroner, coroner's inquest thing, was a way of exploring that bizarre unease and tension as well. So for this one, I kind of came up with this narrative of like a like a, a conference of these healers coming together um, and then there being some sort of incident with tragic consequences. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, the, the coroner's inquest is pretty much inconclusive But it's kind of inferred that there's some sort of um, maybe one of these esoteric healers accidentally or purposefully unleashes some sort of mad cosmic primal energy that ends up killing some of the conference delegates. (laughs) I'm just listening back to what I'm saying. I just sound so weird. I messed up. But, yeah, that's just I just felt like I have to I have to get this down. I have to do something with it.
0: I'm glad you did. And what's really made it is the physical release. So, you know, it was. it's not just, you can obviously go into bandcamp and you can get by the digital, but you created
1: this pack, right? Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, um, it, I mean, I, because like it started off with video content, these videos on YouTube, I thought it'd be interesting to to do something with video. And they kind of like led how the, how the sounds came about. And I, I, I took sounds from the videos and things like that. And I thought it would be it'd be good to package it up as not not as, like, a horror concept thing. I didn't want, like, something to say, this is a scary, weird horror thing that's, that's going to freak you out. I wanted to be sort of, like, grounded in reality. So, you know, I wanted the, the conference DVD to look like some really boring, bland, run-of-the-mill conference handout DVD. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's way but I spent ages looking at, like, various coroner's inquest reports and correspondence and mimicking that as well to create like an insert um for the dvd too so i i think that's kind of why people are you know are asking me if it's real or not because it's not kind of presented as a as a work of fiction it's presented as like a Mm. something quite genuine and authentic
0: it is it is unless you start looking and maybe this is just and most my question whether this is whether it's purposeful or not. The abbreviation of the the group uh, <laughs> of, yeah. of uh, there's a very big clue to me because it says astra psychonats I'm like there is no such group, but yeah you've got to look for it right, but it's really convincing it's really convincing
1: yeah i mean i I think just you know through the job of being to like tons of these conferences and i am kind of familiar with all of this, mm-hmm. you know the ephemera and you know all the stuff around conferences so it was nice to kind of like take the piss out of that as well really <laughs> as well as the new age people
0: <laughs> so so for those thinking you know all oh, right okay low five he he does uh he does this kind of atmospheric horror course type, i mean that's not really the case right you've got a fantastic um back catalogue i mean i sort of first came across uh when it's time to let go and my wife is a massive fan of of that one, and then things like Geography of the Abyss, and then Art of Living, so and then all these other kind of EPs as well. I mean, that, that's it's not that's not just what you do. There's a whole ton of other stuff, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, you know I've started kind of another lo fire thing now, but I'm not I'm not really going to rush this one. I've I've only just managed to get the vinyl out because we did like a a really super limited edition run of the art of living uh through a motion wave um, but we only did like five like laid cut vinyls of that um just to kind of like test the water with vinyl really to see how mm-hmm. it went um but i'm really pleased with that one and um but yeah yeah I, feel, I kind of feel like okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rush into anything now i'm just gonna kind of take it easy and see where it goes because the temptation is to just keep churn and stuff out basically and i I don't really want to do that um plus i'm I'm working on a live show for the uh, her majesty's coroner thing as well so that's kind of taking up all my time at the minute oh my goodness
0: yeah oh my goodness maybe we'll get onto that a bit later uh, because i don't want to frighten all our listeners just yet (laughs) (laughs) already so when you were putting these tracks together was there was it easy to do did you have to spend a long time on it or you know kind of uh, was there any methodology behind it or would you just look at your look at your itunes and picked a few things
1: um well yeah i mean i think that the temptation is to try and make myself look really cool by picking you know some really mad underground unheard of electronic artist but <laughs> I felt like because this is kind of like a time capsule it, uh, I should probably just be a bit more honest and you know just 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 kind of go to stuff that music that I, I tend to come back to a lot and uh, the 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 ones that I've picked are um although they're not you know what you'd expect from someone who makes weird conceptual horror electronic and stuff like that um it's kind of the, the these kind of tracks are almost kind of like a a north star for me in a way, and that the, you know, the 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 thing I like most from music is it, is, is when it gives you a big, big kind of like emotional payoff, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I get from from these tracks for you know for quite personal reasons, I'm assuming human, just because they're connected with certain times and points in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, although they're kind of like quite old and you know obvious choices maybe not very kind of left field I think um you know the the, the tracks that are just important to me I guess
0: mm-hmm. excellent well let's kick it off then with uh, the first which you know electronic artist one of the most seminal ever Aphex Twin uh, window licker but you've chosen the original demo not the obviously what everybody knows doing the, the the massive crunchy single as it were yeah. so so obviously why did you pick window liquor but also why did you go with the demo and not the you know not the main theme
1: um well obviously i love the, the the main version um it's you know it's it's incredible um I, st- I still remember the first time i watched that i think it might have been like um, one of those late night mtv2 type deals yeah. um and that, that's like a golden era a golden age in a way for like you know experimental videos and, and music and stuff it just seemed to be really more mainstream then. I mean maybe it is now and I'm just like out of touch or whatever but it that in particular just kind of blew me away really cause, because I've never heard anything like that before but just the whole kind of like visual concept of it as well um but you know like listening listening back to it it's um I, re- I really like that demo. I mean, I came across it like a, a few years back, but I just kind of like l- sort of listening to loops of music basically and just kind of like getting stuck in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I often end up doing that myself, you know. Everyone else will have gone to bed. I'm, I'm sat here with like twiddling around with synths and stuff, and then I'll be like, I've been listening to the same four bars for like an hour now. So you know, where, <laughs> where do we go with it kind of thing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I quite I quite like that with the demo as well, really. But, you know, it just starts off some, like, it comes from a quite a simple place. Mm. But, you know, through, through like, the power of someone's um, imagination, it can grow into, like, this whole other beast, really. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's why I quite like it. There's something quite humble about it, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, without the... The thing that you don't get in the demo is the, for me at least, is is the low tones, the bass, the thing that just moves it along at, at warp speed. But, I mean, it's a demo, right? So it sounds really stripped back by default, anyway. But but without that, yeah, it's kind of almost um, ethereal. With I don't know if it is his voice. It does all the lyrics, all the kind of humming in the background, but it does sound. It's almost like choir, like a choir practice thing. It's um, quite yeah. quite different
1: it's good because it's kind of like for me it's like um just a reminder you know that these things do start off quite simple and Mm -hmm. you know you can take something that you might think is uh, you know that's a bit not much to it but you can really kind of build on it you know and it i I think that's just i think that's one of the reasons i I like it anyway but obviously i mean day to day i'd be listening to like the main version but yeah I, i quite i quite like the the humility of that uh simple mm. demo really
0: mm. and are you a sort of Aphex fan in general or is it just one of those tracks that you like
1: um, um yeah I, I am a fan I'm not like a I mean I'm, it's a bit of a, a cliche isn't it you know that people into electronic music uh massive Apex twin nerds I mean I'm not I haven't like you know got all his records or anything like that I like some of his tracks uh, I like the ambient stuff the best, I think, right. if I'm totally honest. Um, the two ambient albums. Um, I, I like drugs, um Come to Daddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the rest of it, I mean, I, I like some of the, the newer stuff. I like some of the stuff on um, Syro. Um, I quite like the melodic stuff the best, though. So I, I've, it's earlier tracks like um, Alberto Balsam and stuff like that, that really, really do it for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a very broad spectrum of fans who just, uh, and maybe you can say that about most artists, but they know the real hardcore, a really hardcore, a bit like his life sets, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Same with Ortega yeah. as well, really. I mean, I, it's like, you know, some I can take or leave a yeah. lot of it, but yeah. there are people who are, God, I can't, yeah, superfan is not the word. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and you talked about the video of course seminal with chris cunningham directing that like you i think i first saw it on a it was an edited version on a daytime mtb uh back in the day as well around the mate's house because I, I didn't have cable or anything like that yeah. and yeah I, and, and at that point i'd heard about it and it's in the obviously front cover but then to see all those moving images with with, with you know, the iconic his face all over yeah. it, it's just like, what on earth is this? It's just, um, etched, yeah. ingrained.
1: That's it. I, I feel like, um, I there's something w- w- bizarrely, I mean, it feels quite sort of tame, I guess, now. But at the time, seeing all those little kids with those, mm. you know, Richard's face on that really freaked me out. Um, there's something like biz- bizarrely uncanny about it all, and I, I really kind of like that. I really want to try and sort of keep hold of that, if you know what I mean, and try and sort of, not not, not like emulate it, but to, it, it'd be a cool thing to be able to surprise people and shock people in that yeah. way.
0: Yeah. The the other one that sticks out that had a similar impact to what you're describing, the same era, was Uncle Rabbit in Your Headlights, that video where he's just getting continually knocked over. Yeah. Um, run over. yeah. That one was just super uncomfortable.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I, I try and think of, like, people that are doing similar stuff now, and the, the only person I can think of is maybe Tobacco mm-hmm. from Black Moth Super Rainbow. I know he does a few video things, and I think he's really good with the visual side of, you know, like kind of, like, pushing the boundaries of, mm. you know, what's, what's comfortable kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that when you get, like, a certain sound and, a, and, like, a visual aesthetic that just pairs together really well. I think it's quite... A difficult and, and rare thing to do well. You're listening to Time Lock with Low Five.
0: Excellent choice, and well, we don't want to be a cliche, but we're going to because we're going to go from one one electronic music cliche <laughs> to perhaps maybe one of the biggest electronic musical cliches. Uh, Balls of Canada, Kid for Today, my equal favourite band of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great, great, great track to choose. So, I mean. It was because, again john John and I were talking about, and he's had one view with the you know the back catalog is quite small, but then I kind of look at it the other way that actually it's pretty big, okay, maybe mm-hmm. they've got lots of official releases, but you know there's an awful lot of tracks you can choose from, so why you yeah. for today
1: um well, I was tempted to go with um Roger Biff because
0: mm-hmm.
1: that one' is like you know that was my kind of like gateway to boards to Canada. Um, basically, I, I was in a band with a few mates. I think I must have been about 17 or something like that. And we were like, just kind of like rehearsing in his mum and dad's his, loft. And, dad and um, we came down for a cup of tea and like a cigarette break. And there was a free CD on the front of Enemy that had like, it was just like a compilation of like, you know, different stuff that was out. And I had like, I had some good stuff on it. I had like, um, I think I had like Elliot Smith and, Royal Trucks and Mercury Rev and all these bands and we were kind of like flicking through them and then Roy G Biff came on and I was like oh my god what is this this is incredible it just instantly and I, I just ended up playing it on a loop because it was just like the most amazing thing I'd ever heard <laughs> um, and from that point on I became like you know an absolute boards of Canada obsessive the internet to see, see if I could find any more kind of stuff, and um, but yeah, I, I remember actually being on Napster around that time, and there was actually like a Board to Canada thing on there. It's a Board to Canada kid for today make construct. I was like, "What's that?" And it was just like a little loop of like Kid for Today, mm. and I, th- I think it, I heard that before the actual CD came out. <laughs> so, but I, I was kind of obsessed with it. Snippet, um, and then when you know that that CD came out, that EP, um, I just absolutely loved it. You know, I, I quite like the way it's got more of a maybe a more cleaner, spacious sound to it. Their music has the right to children, um, mm-hmm. but it's just so kind of restrained. Um, the whole kind of percussion thing, which is based, I think it's around like a slide, a slide carousel projector yeah I think that provides like the main rhythm to it um it's just kind of mesmerizing and hypnotic and it's like a, it's one of those tracks really that just kind of really kind of puts me into a certain place um where I can just completely zone out and yeah i just i don't really know what else I can say about it to be honest
0: yeah and it it wasn't it's not an album track either, so it's an e p if Folks Are Not Familiar, In A Beautiful Place Out In The Country, which, I mean, the EP is just a winner. They have done the four tracks, Kid For Today, Owen bishop Roden. In A Beautiful Place Out In The Country, and Zoatrope, which is often overlooked and one of their best tracks. Yeah. Uh, so so when, yeah. when does it take you to? Where does Kid For Today take you to? Is it back to being a kid? I mean, it's a bit literal,
1: but... Um, I, not, not to being a kid, I guess. It, it's just kind of puts me into this kind of quiet... So sort it's of unlike space, I imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that often that I can like listen to something where I just completely like right put all of my other mental activities to one side and really kind of like get into something. But that is that is one track, and with a lot, of, it's the same with a lot of of kind of the tracks. You know, there's so there's so many little kind of tiny details and things to kind of discover when you listen listen back to it that you can really kind of like put your f- full attention onto it and everything else just kind of like melts away kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. Do you think they're ever going to release anything ever again?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they have these big gaps in between the albums because it, it sort of makes them more special, I think. Yeah. Um, it used to be like incredibly frustrating for me like back, you know, years ago. Because I just wanted to consume more and more, but mm. I feel like there's enough there now for me to to go back to whenever I feel like it. You know, you've got like the the albums, the EPs, remixes, all of the a few old tape stuff and all yeah. of that. There's there's loads there, like you say, um, and as as well, you know, there's the, there's a billion artists that are inspired by Boards of Canada who are, you know, some of them are incredible, um, and I'm, I'm quite happy listening to them as well.
0: Yeah, yeah i totally totally agree the excellent choice and sort of similar era actually just a couple of years before 97 98 i think the next choice is the verve and slide away so very different sound but kind of around the same golden era of kind of electronic music so so yeah why did you why did you pick this
1: well i guess i was i was listening to this stuff this I mean the early bevv is very kind of shoegaze and I quite like that that kind of shoegaze sound really um, I guess it was like you know this is all like in, in, in my late teens kind of thing and I, I think the stuff that you hear around that time it kind of like leaves a lasting impact on you and it kind of forms a lot of your um, I don't know like feelings about you know what, what music you like in future. Mm-hmm. I, um, but um the thing i i liked about you know this track and this 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 album in, in general is just incredible really it, it it's kind of like the how evocative it is and um in terms of like like Nick McCabe's guitar his guitar work and how he's able to sort of like you know create layers of it and use all of these like ambient kind of like reverb spaces it. It just it just sounded like nothing else that I'd really heard before, and um, obviously, like you know, learning more about what he was into, and he, he he's a big fan of Robin Guthrie and Cocktail Twins and people like that. Mm. And um, you know, I've kind of gone on to listening to that because I think there's a big crossover with shoegaze and kind of ambient music as well. And I think um, you know, it's basically. I mean, at the time, it was good music to get stoned to. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, it, it it is just good music, basically. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really like what the verb became, kind of a few albums further down, but um, A Storm in Heaven and um, A Northern Solo, two very good albums. And I, I think it's mainly because of that kind of, the sound design um, from Nick McCabe. who was kind of like just the architecture of this whole Mm. Kind of world, really. That's just just really rich and evocative.
0: Yeah, and to totally echo the the, the kind of crossover, or crossing back and forth between, let's say, the more traditional rock indie sound with shoegazings kind of in the middle, and then on the left hand side, then you kind of get into your electronic space. Mm-hmm. Turn that creation of that wide, as you say, ambient sound. Cocteau Twins you mentioned, slow dive, ride chapter house you, you know there's a whole list where they were all kind of going into that that space and
1: yeah yeah I, I think you know it it's a difficult thing to to do well um but I think you know particularly with people like the Verve and am of Canada is that you know it they kind of like sort of resonates with me anyway on like kind of like an emotional level as well and I'm not sure why that is I'm not sure if it's the melodies or or what but I think you know to be able to kind of wield that sound in a way that's kind of meaningful as well um that's quite a rare thing I think
0: Hmm. it's almost like a wave of emotions you could like make a group call it (laughs) emotion
1: wave right yeah that's absolutely yeah good (laughs) idea
0: (laughs) that's really great so yeah uh, Verve yeah you didn't really like where they went after that but if you were kind of recommending to to listeners similar similar kind of sound to slide away obviously maybe the rest of the album what else would you kind of
1: pick from them um well they've got like an ep um i think it's called she's a superstar that's really good but there's a track called man called son which is incredible it's just like it's a really really ambient kind of track um there's one called where the geese go i think that's in the same ep um on the album, A Storm in Heaven, there's tracks like um, Make It Till Monday, uh, Star Sail, uh, Virtual World. You just need to listen to the whole album, basically. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. And
0: so you, 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 you've you mentioned that, that whole kind of shoegazing genre, let's say. For me, that was something that was coming, bubbling up around the sort of earlier into mid 90s so was that was that you, were, you said you were in a band as well was that the kind of sound you were creating at the time or was it just something you were kind of consuming and enjoying um yeah
1: it was we were listening to a lot of that we were listening to a lot of um the Beatles as well mm-hmm. funnily enough <laughs> uh, but though we didn't sound try and sound anything like the Beatles it was at that at that, at that time we were listening to a lot um, like super fairy animals um Radiohead on the Verve and mm-hmm. I think those three things kind of like influenced what you know we were trying to do, mm-hmm. which was this kind of like sort of psychedelic space rock type kind of sound. But we just weren't very good at it. And then <laughs> um, then Dave McCabe, who later became uh, the, you know, on the Zootons, he, he joined the band when he was just 16 and just completely transformed us into a, a better band. Um, but then, yeah, we kind of like split up, and then he, he went on to do better things. Then. <laughs> so, yeah. Excellent. He wrote a, um, Valerie, which was then made massive by Mark Ronson. Yep. So I think, I think that pretty much set him up for life.
0: I was going to say, yeah, that's a nice one to have you writing yeah. credits against. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. This is Time, time Lock by Gated. Gated. And speaking of huge acts, we go to the boss. And When I saw this, I just thought, okay, that's just, you know, everyone's got their, you know, it's their yeah. own taste. So the boss, Bruce Springsteen, and Tunnel of Love, where completely didn't expect to have that no. on here. So, so what's this? What's the story there?
1: Yeah, well, I was I was a bit iron about putting that one in myself because you know, like I said, I'm trying to, I don't know, we I mean, really. Was to just be kind of like honest about it. So, but yeah, I, I think me, me dad listened. I just remember me dad listening to a lot of Springsteen when I was younger, um, and he was a big fan of it. Um, you know, through me dad, I heard lots of Bruce Spring, Springsteen tracks, right? Um, but I never really kind of appreciated it at the time. I was like, oh, "Who's this? You know, old fart rocker just doing all of these like big anthemic songs." You know, I just I just thought it was really <laughs> cheesy. But obviously now that I'm a bit older and listening back, you know they're they're actually quite, you know, astute and incisive and really kind of poignant. Mm -hmm. Um, I particularly like the album Tunnel of Love, Um, and I think I think now, particularly at this point in my life, it's probably because I've got a family, and um, you know a lot a lot of the stuff on that album, um, particularly this track. It's all about, you know, the the sort of dramas of domestic life, really.
0: Right, right. And,
1: you know, kind of having children and, you know, your, your future kind of and your life changes a lot when you, once you have kids. And there's not many people that kind of write songs about that kind of stuff that really you can kind of relate to. But I feel, I feel like Bruce Springsteen's really kind of like nailed it with this
0: one mm. yeah it's funny to put my hands up and say i've listened to very very little of bruce put off by the the anthems and now when i think of bruce i can't help but think of i was in new york back end of last year before this covid stuff uh, happened i was i'd met up with a pal um, and I, for whatever reason i was staying in new jersey just over the, the hudson and I had a cab going and we went through the tunnel. We came up at, at, to a which is where I was staying. And you couldn't have written more of a cliche because it was a Friday night, very late. And we're driving up and all you can hear blasting out of this huge pub was Born in the USA. <laughs> um, and then the next one was Bon Jovi Living on a Prayer. It was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And the, 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 my point being is that I think, and sit currently with me, is those big anthems have kind of tarred this yeah. massive spectrum of actors. You know, he's got a huge back catalogue before he was super big.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And people but are it, sleeping on it. So it's kind of cool that you're not.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I know a few people that like Bruce Springsteen, and I know what you mean. I mean, I, I couldn't stand that Born in the USA track because, you know, it, it's just this big... It feels just like a big nationalist anthem type thing. But um, you know, if you if you really kinda of like listen to it, then it's actually quite critical of the USA, basically. Yeah. Um but, you know, the the fact is a lot of people don't really dig that deep into it. They'll just kind of take it face value and yeah. they want to use it for the presidential campaigns and that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I can totally see where like people like bands like Bon Jovi have have taken their cue from that really. Um you know but i i do think that you know at the the core of um bruce springsteen stuff is you know there's a lot of um it's got a lot of heart to it i think and mm. although like you know you, you know some of the sounds and the arrangements and that kind of stuff it's it's not like it's not especially like you know groundbreaking or particularly musically interesting or anything like that i i think uh, there's something very honest about it and I think that I think that's what appeals to me mm.
0: And no spoilers to the listeners here, looking at actually the list, this is the only track from the 80s I noticed, so I'd wondered if, how you felt about the 80s, was that, you know, something from a musical pers- pers- perspective it's, uh, is that something yeah. you, know, you listen to a lot or not?
1: <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't remember being, I mean I was born in 77 so, I no. don't remember yeah so i I remember the 80s quite well i felt like the 80s was like this sort of split world there was like the the gray miserable british world that we lived in and then there was the bright colorful american world that we saw on on the telly
0: yeah
1: and i, and I preferred the american version um you know and i, I remember people like going on about our great punk wars and I like electronic music, but I never liked any of that stuff because to me the electronic music, it, it just seemed really kind of cold and austere, and although I can kind of like appreciate it now, at the time I couldn't stand it, and I couldn't stand, you know, punk either really. Mm. Um, it was only kind of when, towards the end of the decade when, you know, the dance music and rave kind of came along, um, you know, I remember like people passing tapes around and stuff like that and hearing some stuff and thinking okay this is really cool kind of thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and although you know I, I never went to any raves or any warehouse parties or anything like that you know i completely missed that period that I, I did manage to you know to hear some music from there and i think that that was the first stuff that i thought okay i can get into this mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I, I didn't get like massively into it. it. It just feels like a distant memory to me now. Um, you know, I, I ended up getting massively into like Jimi Hendrix and Nirvana and, you know, people like, like that later on. But I, I think towards the end of the 80s, it was the, the dance music that kind of piqued me interest.
0: Again, I echo that completely. The two tracks that you would kind of define as electronic in That period that distinctly I remember was um Craftwork the Model, and even then that was a re release that came out much earlier, but I think got re released in like 81 82. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember that and thinking, What on earth is this? and then Human League, Don't Yeah, uh, Don't You Want Me, which I didn't like then and I still don't like now, but love, <laughs> but love the whole obviously everything else, um, dare yeah. and the whole album, but that, that song I just can't get on with. And like you, it was really only in late eighty eight and then eighty nine when you know I was then taping stuff off you know off the charts and it was the dance music that sounded the most exciting because it was new. It was like, what is this? I've never heard anything like this. And you kind of gravitate yeah. towards it. All the all the wrong things that you wouldn't listen to now, which mm. have been on Top of the Pops rewinds recently. Just think that's <laughs> atrocious, but I loved yeah. it. The next one now now we're going back in time a little bit and talking from one iconic US performer with the boss to another but completely different and that's marvin Gaye with inner city blues and make me want to holler i mean what what can we really say about that and hasn't already been said well maybe you can say something that's a bit different to what's been said
1: so um well i don't really have anything new to add to it you know it's it's an incredible album mm. um i only really got onto it probably about five years ago i think something like that but uh I think it just came into my life at a point where it did feel like the world was starting to go a bit tits up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if it's, you know, everybody feels that, but it certainly felt like that at the time to me. And it was um, this inner city blues that really kind of like stuck out to me. as kind of like, you know, what what the hell is going on? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I often find that, you know, if, if if I get too much like kind of current affairs fatigue from watching the news or anything like that, I have to kind of like switch off from it from a while. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll just bring me down, basically. Yeah. And um, it's times like that that I'll you know I'll I'll go and listen to Marvin Gaye just because it, it's just so kind of soothing and um, yeah, it's it, it it's kind of like the the musical equivalent of just like a you know a big hug or you and your mate just sitting down and having a beer and going, ah, oh, what what the hell is going on? Mm.
0: <laughs> <That's a> really, <laughs>
1: that sounded really all imparted, But, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's something that I'll... It's kind of like a staple that I'll turn to, you know, when I feel a certain way about the world, I think. Mm.
0: Therapeutic music.
1: Th- yeah. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if you intended it that way. I don't... Maybe he did, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I love the album, just the way it sounds, really, and the production of it. And I wish he'd kind of done more of that stuff, really, because, you know, like all of the the ballads and stuff he, he did, and I just I just don't really like them that much. I feel like, you know, he, he should have done more of the what's going on type mm. sound, really. You know, with the, he, he must have had, like, an incredible like band with him um and just amazing musicians and stuff almost kind of like uh you know um the beach boys did with like pet sounds i can imagine him working with this like incredible stable of musicians and just mm. just kind of like jamming basically and and him coming out with this you know amazing voice and amazing lyrics um yeah i just i just really like the way it sounds and the way that it kind of tracks all flow into each other on the album as well mm. uh, yeah, so, um, but yeah, that, that that is the one that kind of, I mean, it's used everywhere, it's used on everything. I watched a film the other day called um, The Five Bloods, um, a Spike Lee film, and, you know, it's, it's about these um, black Viet- Vietnam veterans that go back to find this gold, and Marvin Gaye, you know, what's going on, is all over the soundtrack. There's even, like, some a cappella versions on there that I haven't heard before, so, I thought that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is very therapeutic, I think.
0: Hmm. So how how did you come across it? I mean, you said you picked up on it about five years ago, but obviously it's been, as you say, it's super popular, it's available everywhere, so why, why and I... how?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, the, there's obviously albums that are part of this established, you know, canon of amazing music and, you know... I I, I I like to kind of like just Happen upon music when it's right for me Really mm. Because you know like people will say You need to listen to this and you need to listen to that And I do and I think well Okay it's good but it's not really Just it's just it's not clicking with me at the minute And I think um, You know for, for me it, it just needs to be the right time um, And uh, You know for whatever reason I don't know what was happening five years ago Um Maybe I just had enough of the Tories getting voted in in general elections. Maybe that was what kicked it off or something. (laughs) Or, um, you know, Trump becoming president of the USA. Um, But, yeah, it it does seem like now there's, you know, there's a lot more unrest. It feels like there's a lot more unrest than there used to be. Or maybe that's just kind of like me projecting onto it. I don't know. Um, Because I'm sure, you know, Everyone feels like this at some point in their lives. But I, I think now it, it, it kind of feels like almost like a, things are coming to like kind of a crunch time. Um, but again, that could be just the result of watching too many Current Affairs programmes. <laughs> Who knows?
0: So I wonder what song you'd, or what track you'd find now to kind of represent that. Time five years ago, right now, as you say, is a bit of a pivotable It does feel like a pivotal
1: moment. Yeah, another a, pivotal
0: moment in history.
1: Um, yeah, it's kind of like a a really nice protest song. I, you know, there is a lot of good protest music around at the minute. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of like a modern day equivalent, really. I don't know because I, I I like stuff that's quite soothing on the ears. Um. And I can't really think of... I mean, the only kind of, like, sort of protest music that's coming to mind at the minute is the band Idols. And I'm not really a big fan of that, to be honest. It's quite kind of, like, harsh, punky stuff. But, yeah, if, it, if they did it in a really kind of, like, soothing manner with bongos and stuff, I'd be, I'd be well on board with <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> Quiet protest, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. So if anyone knows of any, get in touch with Neil. You might like it. time lock by gated well speaking of soothing you play this piece of music everybody will know it because they just heard it somewhere but i suspect probably about half folks just won't know what it actually is and that is john williams with cappuccino the theme from deer hunter one of the most iconic pieces of guitar or just the music in general and super super soothing so is is that again another choice because you just need something more to kind of quell what's going on. Kind of what's the story there?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure really. I think it's probably a few things um, my dad used to play it a lot on the guitar when I was younger. My dad was always kind of like, um, you know, he was at any one point, he'd be like, you know, learning different things on the guitar and cavatina was one of them. He was, he was well into like people like Raikuda, um, He's into, like, this kind of Celtish, Celt uh, finger-picking stuff now. <laughs> um yeah, at the time, I, I just remember hearing Cavatina a lot. And he had a record as well. Um And I think it was, like, a John Williams record. I'm not sure. But it was, yeah, I, I remember, like, listening to that on my mum and record player when I was a kid and quite liking it as well. Um And then I, I just sort of forgot about it. And then... Uh later on, probably when I was in my twenties, I watched the film The Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um and it was it just blew me away, you know. It's just it's just it's my favourite film, I think, of all time. Um and you know, I think that that soundtrack really kind of hit everything home basically. It's basically just a, it's a movie just about friendship basically, you know, two best mates and they get kind of, you know, pulled apart in these horrible circumstances. Um, and, you know, everyone has kind of, like, those kind of, like, moments with and, and friendships, you know, that are really important and, you know, things can go awry. And I think, um, you know, that 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 song for me really kind of, like, sums that up. But it also kind of, like, brings back, like, a time of being, you know young and there's that whole kind of like nostalgia kind of element to it as well so yeah i th- I, th- I think it pulls in a few kind of like feelings and um in- in- into like a you know the one track um but again it's it's i suppose it's a, it's another example of just kind of melody being quite a powerful thing really and that's 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 what it boils down to for me mm.
0: And it's deceptively... It sounds simple, the melody, but it's deceptively tricky when you start really getting into it. It's um,
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've tried to learn it on, on, on guitar as well, and it's impossible for me. <laughs> you know, there's no way I could play it. But, uh, yeah, you're right, it, it does sound quite simple. But, you know, I, I think some people have got, like, a, a dim view of melody, really. But, you know... It's not e- easy to do something that simple and that powerful, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you it's, it's your favourite film as well. So do you remember the first time you saw it? And did you instantly like it? Or was it one of those that kind of grew over repeated watchings?
1: Um, it, it probably grew, I think. Um, mm. Because, you know, the, like the first, I think like for the first hour of the film, it's just a bunch of fellas. Um attending, like, the mate's wedding. It's just, like, a big wedding party that go, that seems to go on forever. Um, and then suddenly they're in Vietnam. And, you know, they're being tortured and being made to play Russian roulette and whatever. Um, and they come back with all these horrible, you know, these emotional scars and stuff that's that, that torn, like, these friendships apart. And um, I think, you know, the first time I watched it, I was like, well, you know, it's, it's like, quite a strange film, really. You Know it's quite a big, quite long, epic thing. Um, mm. but it's really kind of spread out. I mean, I can't imagine anyone making a film like that now, really. They'd be like, okay, edit two hours out of it or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've gone back and rewatched it, and just because, like, you know, the performances from De Niro and Christopher Walken are incredible. Um, and yeah, it just, it just really, it's it just always felt like a really kind of powerful kind of um just just like a powerful message on like the the power of friendship basically Mm -hmm. yeah i I I think that's that, that that's what kind of um really stuck with me you know yeah yeah it's
0: a beautiful beautiful piece of music and wrapping up what is a fantastic selection in and all beautiful music but another piece of beautiful music and also in that kind of low-key vibe is miles davis blue and green kind of blue so again huge catalog to choose from so yeah why this one and how did you get into miles
1: um i think me i think my ex-girlfriend had this on cd and i think that's where i probably first heard it um and, you know, I've never been, like, a big jazz fan or anything like that. Um, you know, a lot of it really kind of, I don't know, it, it just doesn't really, like, click for me. Um, there's, there's some stuff does, you know, I prefer, like, a lot of, like, slower kind of jazz stuff. Um, especially when it's, you know, it's it's quite simple or, like, piano-based stuff. Mm. Um so, yeah, I, I, for me, this is kind of like another one of those tracks that if I've had like, like a bad day or, or, you know, a rubbish day in work or, you know, something bad's happened, I will kind of like put this on. And, and this is, again, another kind of like soothing, you know, somebody understands type thing. There's somebody else out there who's had been, been in the same kind of shitty Situation, and they've been able to express that musically and Mm -hmm. capture it, and really capture that essence of it somehow. And um, that's what that's what this is to me. You know, uh, there's been like many a time that I've like just been completely pissed off about something, and you know, I'll be sat there on the bus home. It's pissing down outside, and I'll I'll just be listening to this, looking out the window, and it kind of seems to make everything seem a bit bit better somehow.
0: And just this track, none, none of the others in particular, just this one clicks somehow. The, the, the,
1: this one in particular, I mean, I, I like the whole album. You know, mm. it, it's, it's great. You know, Miles Davis is an incredible talent. Um, I don't particularly like the guy himself or anything like that, but, you know, he's, he was amazing mm. uh, trumpet player. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I don't know why it's just this one. I think it's just this particular melody. Um, and just how kind of sparse it is really mm-hmm. you know you can really kind of like drink in like the sound of like the the brushes on the drum snares and and all of the, all of those kind of like little sounds um and yeah i think it's uh it's just like a really good example of less being more really
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple of times uh, melodies, obviously being really important for you, and you also mentioned as well that melodies get kind of get a bad reps. So, kind of curious how you kind of approach to putting your music together, particularly when you're thinking of your know, melodies, because obviously not all of them have them. So, yeah. is it something that you just hear, was it something you just play around with? How did you how do you, how do they come together for you?
1: Um, well, so- sometimes I'll. It, it's it's kind of like different, really. Um, Sometimes I'll I'll have something in my head. Or you'll hear like, you know, a tiny snippet of like a track as you're walking past the radio and and it'll just really kind of like latch onto it and think, Wow, that sounds amazing. I don't know why, like, but certain kind of you know, putting a, a number of notes in a certain order for some reason, um um just really kind of get gets you know, appeals to me. And I I don't know why it is, but uh I feel like I'm always trying to sort of chase that particular dragon, really, with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's... A lot of the time, the best stuff comes about just purely by by accident, or it's, you know, it's like a really serendipitous thing. Um, because when you try and... Whenever I've tried to kind of, like, come up with a good melody, for example, it's like, you know, by using your... Con- just thinking brain just you just can't do it it kind of like it's almost like better if it comes from like more of like a subconscious kind of place um and I don't know why that is but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sort of do more of that with me low five music trust just try not to think about it too much and mm-hmm. just try and let it just kind of like flow out of you really um because it just sounds so much much better. Um and yeah, I like I said, I I've no idea why certain certain things do certain melodies do appeal to me. But I think, you know, certainly with artists like Aphex Twin and Boards of Canada and people like that, yeah, like that, I think they really have like a as well as being incredible producers, they have like a, this kind of like natural affinity with melody, um which is you know, you, you, you can't, I think you, you have that ability or you don't, really.
0: It's a bit jazz-like.
1: Just yeah. Let it, yeah. Let it happen. Yeah, yeah. I could probably get more into jazz, but I think I need someone to point me in the right direction with it. Because whenever I turn on, like, you know, jazz FM on the radio, I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> so uh, I, re- I really need a proper jazz connoisseur to, to, to give me a few leads there, I think
0: there we go that's our second request to anyone listening to this get in touch with neil if you've got some good jazz recommendations uh, i'm sure he'll appreciate them well look this has been a fantastic selection a great discussion as well we started at the top with kind of what you're doing with uh or what you have been doing with uh, majesty's coroner for we all the five copies of the art of living you mentioned a little bit about emotion motion wave and the also the live act you're doing so what else can we expect from the low five canon you've hinted at future release but what else can we expect from emotion Wave and low five
1: well I, because of have like sort of wrapped up with my own like releases recently i haven't put much thought into it and obviously with the lockdown um you know live events aren't really feasible at the minute um but I'll, i'm trying to kind of think of different ways of creating like a a live music experience at the minute and um you know i i I got into like meditation a few years back and i I quite like the idea of coming into a space where you can almost kind of like be that relaxed and comfortable in almost like a meditative kind of state and also listen to live music as well so what i'm trying to sort of figure out the logistics of at the minute is a way to uh Get some ambient um, artists, type artists together and um, find like an, an appropriate, comfortable space, maybe with cushions and carpets, you know, not a bar type thing. And do like this kind of quite almost like a, a guided kind of hypnotic, meditative gig type experience. Um, um, so that, that that's about as far into it as I've got at the minute. I'll let you know when (laughs) you manage to uh, make that a reality. Um, But that—that's kind of where where I'm at now. I'm kind of thinking, you know, I've—I've put loads of gigs on in bars for like you know the last five years, and I'm up for trying something a bit different now with it, really, and just kind of seeing if people will be open and receptive to that to that way of consuming live music.
0: That sounds very intriguing and could probably be a separate podcast on its own, which might, we might do one day. Excellent. And uh, we find all your back catalogue on Bandcamp and it's Geog- Geography of the Abyss. That was also out on physical copy with Castles and Space, right? I got That's that right? right?
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you go to Castles and Space Bandcamp, you'll so see that one there. Um, yeah, there's some stuff on, on Spotify as well. Not all of it, though
0: great so bad guys just search and you will find neil it's been great thanks very much for having us for having you on the show
1: thanks for inviting me it's uh, it's been nice to to chat to your ear off I appreciate it <laughs> thanks, <man. laughs>
0: Another great big thank you to Neil for a delightful conversation. I heartily recommend exploring his and the Emotion Wave back catalogue on Bandcamp. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Timelock, and if you did, please leave a comment, like, or share. Don't forget to listen to the monthly gated podcast presented by Node, and check out past episodes of Timelock on Soundcloud. So until next time...